All right, everybody, welcome back to the Bible Study Podcast. I am Travis Polly, and here we have one goal, learn to love like Jesus. Here, as always, with Wes McAdams. Hi, Wes. Hi, Travis. How are you? I'm doing great. Good. I'm very excited for this episode. I know you are. I because am we are going to talk about the chosen again, yes. as yes. we have before. Yes. And as you and I both do on and off the podcast. Um, at length sometimes. At length. Yeah, the other day, and how this episode kind of came about, I guess, is is the other day you and I were just in here in your office talking and talked the afternoon away, yes. talking about mostly the chosen. Yes. And um, and one of the things, the, the thing we wanted to kind of kick off with in this episode was we were talking about this moment in one of the episodes where um, there's a character, Rama, and it's her father who is... Um, sort of concerned about her going off to follow this guy, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And um, he, he wants to have a, have a word with Jesus. Yeah. So they start talking. And dad's a little hostile when they start talking. And, and Jesus says to him at some point, he says, you know, I ask a lot of those who follow me. That's true. But I ask very little of those who don't. Mm. And, um, you know, we, we, you and I were talking about about just how much those moments hit. I know one of the things that I appreciate so much about that show is how, you know, it's 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 taking. You know, we would call it historical fiction. Mm-hmm. It's taking glimpses of things or, or 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 parts of stories that we get in scripture, and it's expanding on them, and it's 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 giving us an idea of what these characters might have been like, what Jesus might have been like, what it might have been like to be with Jesus, share a meal with Jesus, walk with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those moments where it's not a direct quote from Scripture, right? But it's one of those things that just hits your heart at just the right spot, where yeah. you go, "That yeah. is, that is the gospel. Yeah. That is Jesus's yeah. invitation. Yeah. Is if you follow me, there is going to be a lot of expected yeah. of you. Yeah. If you don't, yeah, not so much. Right? You know, yeah. in terms of how you're living your daily life yeah. and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, and and I think it's it's incredibly not only true to scripture but something we need to hear something we mm. need to be reminded of right now in our context as Christians, as Christians yeah. that because in this conversation that he has with Rama's father I don't remember Rama's father's name but but as they're having this conversation basically the father tells Jesus I don't believe in you like oh, yeah. I I don't I don't believe you I don't want to follow you right. I'm I'm kind of amazed at some of the things you've done. My daughter believes in you and she wants to go with you and I'm going to allow that, but right. I can't tell you that I believe in you. And and Jesus isn't mad at him. Jesus isn't right. angry with him. He doesn't say, "Well, then you're going to pay the consequence." Like he doesn't say that. He says, "I ask a lot from the people as you said. I ask a lot from those who follow me, but I ask very little of those who don't." Mm. And that really resonated with me because it it hit on a, a point that I've been thinking about a lot lately. In fact, I wanted to write a blog post for a while now on this idea of double standards. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes we think about double standards. Usually what we mean by double standards is that I have one standard for you, and then I have an easier standard for myself. Like I'm going to hold other people to a higher standard than myself. And this is a real problem. This is something we need to talk about. The Pharisees did this. I think about what Jesus says in Matthew 23. He says, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but they don't practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. So 
again, they had double standards. They held one, they held other people to a higher standard than they held themselves. Right. And they, they were, as Jesus called them, hypocrites. They're actors. They're, they're pretending to live to a certain standard, but really they're living to a much lower standard for themselves. They've created loopholes for themselves mm-hmm. so that they don't have to live to that higher standard, but they're still going to try to hold other people to that standard, which is something we tend to do. Humans tend to, especially religious people, honestly, religious people have this tendency to create a loophole for themselves mm-hmm. so that they can hold themselves to a low standard while at the same time wagging their finger at other people and holding other people to a higher standard. So we might think, we might be tempted to think, well, the opposite of that is to hold everybody to the same standard, that we should hold ourselves and other people to the exact same standard. And so we think, well, we should be consistent. If I have to do this, then you should have to do this. If I have to live this way, then you should have to live this way. If I have to be this way, you have to be this way too. And I think there's a problem with that as well. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's not having double standards, but having the same standard isn't exactly what we're called to either. And I, I think about what Jesus says in The Chosen, and I think about what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5. And so that's a text I want to look at first and think about how we should hold ourselves to a higher standard than we hold the world. Right. That that we should, again, not hold the world to a higher standard than ourselves, obviously. We shouldn't have a double standard in that way. Right. But we should actually hold ourselves not to the same standard to which we hold the world, but to a higher standard than we hold the world. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, and just to give that a little bit of context, that the Corinthian world, the mm-hmm. Corinthian context, the, the context of most Greco-Roman worlds or cities and communities in that time yeah. would have been incredibly immoral from a Christian perspective and a Christian standard. Corinth was one of the Cor- Corinth, well, yes, yeah. was one of those communities that their, the pagan community in Corinth would have made say well that's rude to sailors i guess but it would have made the roughest toughest people today blush the things that they did in their religious pagan ceremonies Mm -hmm. and rituals and feasts and parties would have been horrendous we would have had to look away in horror we couldn't even imagine in fact i won't even describe it for the chance that there's a kid listening to this because of how wicked these these communities were, these cities were. And so Corinth was one of those cities. And Paul had written to them previously before 1 Corinthians, and he'd given them instructions about not associating with certain types of people. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he wants to clarify that a little bit. He says in 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 9, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you'd have to go out of the world. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he's guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater or reviler or drunkard or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? That's such an important question. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? The implied answer to that question is nothing. (laughs) Paul has nothing to do with judging outsiders. Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. So again, I don't want anybody to think what we're saying is God isn't going to hold unbelievers to a standard, because he is, and he will judge them. 
But Christians are not supposed to hold the world to a Christian standard. Mm-hmm. The Corinthians were not supposed to discipline worldly people for behaving in worldly ways. Mm-hmm. They weren't supposed to say, oh, you're sexually immoral. I'm not going to have anything to do with you. Oh, you're greedy. I'm not going to have anything to do with you. Oh, you, you worship idols. Not going to have anything to do with you. They weren't supposed to do that. They, right. they were supposed to do that within the church. They were supposed to hold other brothers and sisters to that same standard. If somebody was unrepentantly living a sexually immoral life, discipline them, right. withdraw fellowship from them so that they understand you can't live that way. But people that aren't followers of Jesus, don't go around wagging your finger at these people or right. saying, I'm not going to have anything to do with you. And, and man, we need that lesson today because yeah. so often... We're, we're going around wagging our finger at unbelievers saying, why are you behaving this way? Why are you doing these things sexually? Why are you greedy? Why are you whatever? And it's like, right. because they don't believe in Jesus. That's right. why. That's right. the problem. The behavior is almost beside the point in some ways. What, what they need is they need to hear about Jesus and his love for them and his desire to, to sanctify and redeem their life, not to be told you need to live up to our standard of morality and ethics. Yeah, they need to, you know, we're, we're living in a different paradigm than they are. Right. We're, we're li- we, we should know. If we don't know, then we need to check our surroundings and see if we are living in that paradigm. Right. But, but if, if somebody's outside of that, it's like, well, how, what, what more can you expect, you know? Yes. And, and I think also, you know, it occurs to me thinking about, like, just kind of some some basic psychology here, you know, a concept that that I think we're we're all probably a little familiar with, like, you know, projecting, mm-hmm. and this idea, of, you know, you're, you know, a guy, his boss yells at him at work, then he goes home, and then he yells at somebody in his house, mm-hmm. and that person treats somebody badly, yeah, and it's you care it, it it you know it's it's this chain reaction of of anger and hurt, and mm-hmm. and I think sometimes I think that you know when we do that to the world, when we, you know, when we sort of take things out on the world, mm-hmm. maybe it's partially as a consequence of something we're not dealing with either in ourselves yeah. or in the church right. with each other, right. that there's brokenness that we're not willing to deal with within the Christian community. Right. And I think, I, I think one of the reasons that's so hard is, is like it was hard for the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. They, you know, you project purity because, mm-hmm. well, that's what we're supposed to be ascribed. We're supposed to be, aiming for that yeah. and in the absence of of attaining that fake it mm-hmm. you know fake it till you make it this is right. a bad way to use fake it till you make it but I, th- I i do think that that's that's one of our tendencies yeah. that you know we 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 are both projecting a false image of how pure we are when yep. it's like you know we're we're sinners we're here because we're sinners right. we're here to i remember my dad talks about uh you know being an angsty teenager and sort of complaining to somebody who was a non-Christian about church and saying, you know, well, I just, you know, church is full of hypocrites. You know, we've all probably said that mm-hmm. at one, one time or another. And this person he's talking to said, well, what better place for Christians to be? Or what better <laughs> place for hypocrites to be, rather? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that's exactly where you should go. Yeah. Um, but then when we stop being honest about that and we start projecting this false image, I, I think we... Of course, we're going to look outwards mm-hmm. because that's so much easier than looking in and yeah. exposing whether for ourselves as individuals or for ourselves as brothers and sisters in Christ mm-hmm. that we have things that we're struggling with, things that we need to work out on our own. Yeah. 
in the paradigm of those who know about Jesus and follow Jesus and not worry so much about people who who don't have a concept of of, of Jesus and his salvation. Yeah, it's really interesting how we spend so much time in the church preaching about the sins of the world uh, rather than being in the church preaching about the sins of the church. There's plenty of things that we need to work on. There's plenty of things that we need to focus on. And and yes, yes, the world needs to be called to repentance. Of course they do. But the only way they're going to be called to repentance is by lifting up Jesus. If they see Jesus and they see the good news of Jesus, that's what's going to motivate them to repent, not just we're not just interested in behavior modification. We're not right. just interested in, in getting the world to behave. <laughs> that, that shouldn't be our motivation. Our motivation should be to exalt Jesus, that the world might be drawn to him. They're going to be drawn to him by his love and by his offer of mercy and grace. Mm-hmm. And so we need to be proclaiming that. We need to be calling the world to repentance through the preaching of the good news. <laughs> but we don't need to be out there trying to discipline the world and holding them to the same standard we should hold ourselves to, but we should be holding ourselves to that standard and we should be holding ourselves to a higher standard than we hold the world. So there's two pieces of that. One is holding ourselves to that standard and two is not trying to hold the world to that standard. And again, Paul lays that out exactly in 1 Corinthians 5. He says, hold each other to that standard. If somebody's not living that way and they're they're determined to persist in a life of sin, then withdraw fellowship from them so that they know this isn't okay. But if somebody's on the outside living that way, even if it's the same behavior, you treat sexual immorality differently when it's a Christian than you do when it's a non-Christian. And sometimes we we don't seem to understand that, that the person who's living with their boyfriend or girlfriend or the person that's in a same-sex relationship or the person that whatever, fill in the blank, we don't we don't deal with those situations the same way when they're a believer and when they're not a believer. We say, well, wait, that's a double standard. It's not a double standard in that we're holding ourselves to a lower standard than them, but yes, it is a higher standard, and we are called to live right. to a higher standard. We are called to die to ourselves and live to Christ. This is what we committed ourselves to when we were baptized. And we have to hold ourselves to the standard of the way. That doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, but it does mean we have to hold each other to that standard, hold each other accountable, and not try to hold the world to the standard of Christian. So yes, there is a way that Christians are supposed to behave. And yes, God will judge those who are not Christians. God, God will hold them accountable but that's not our job. Our job is not to judge them. Our job is not to discipline Thank them God. or to try. Yes, absolutely. Thank God that it's his responsibility and not ours. Mm-hmm. Or to try to uh, modify their behavior. Let's modify our behavior and not necessarily theirs. You know, I keep thinking about this. Uh, I was growing up, I must have been about 14, 15-ish. We were talking to a brother at the church we went to up there in Michigan. And he said to me one time, he said, you know, anytime that there's at the end of the at the end of the service the invitation song we were good we were like a good old fashioned like we it never never didn't have a an invitation song and everything want to be baptized or want to come up and you know re- recommit you yeah. know you know ask for prayers from the church that kind of thing he said he said i don't every, i think every sunday i should be doing that yeah. and i remember at the time thinking you know as, as a kid thinking, well, I, you know, this is a guy I've looked up to. Like, how, how could he think that? Yeah. You know, I, I get it now. Um, 
But I do think that there's resistance on our part because we don't feel like we live in a, we don't feel like we're in a safe place Mm -hmm. to, whether it's at the end of service or even just pulling somebody aside and saying, you know, hey, I'm struggling with something and here's what it is. Don't hide from me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Don't don't judge me and don't excommunicate me because I actually want help. Right. I want I'm, yeah. I'm not trying to live, you know, just to just keep doing this. Yeah. But I don't know how to how to get out of it on my own. How how do we how do we get better at that? Yeah. Creating yeah creating a space for that yeah. as Christians. Yeah. Holding ourselves to this higher standard doesn't mean that we have to achieve that. We, we also believe in grace. And so even though we say this is the standard, this is what we're called to, it doesn't mean we're going to hit the mark every time. We're still right. sinning. We're still falling short. We're still struggling. And we have to be honest about that. Sometimes we call failing hypocrisy. Sometimes we call messing up hypocrisy. That's not hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is pretending. Hypocrisy is pretending to be something that we're not. When we confess our sins and we say, hey, I messed up. I messed up in this specific way. Here's how I go wrong. Here's what I've done. That's not hypocrisy. That's simply saying, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. I repent and confess that I'm not achieving that, but I'm striving. That's not the people that are supposed to be disciplined. The ones that are disciplined are the ones that are either pretending that they're hitting it and they're not, or or they just don't care. And they're saying, I don't have any desire to strive for this goal or to be held according to the standard. And and those are the people that just aren't living according to the, the way of Christ. And so we have to hold each other to the way. We have to hold up that standard, but at the same time, be gracious and merciful to those who are striving and aren't achieving and discipline those in love that are not striving or are pretending to be there when they're not. I just want to take a short break from our Bible study to tell you that if you are enjoying this discussion, you might also enjoy my book, Beyond the Verse. You can find the audio version of the book at radicallychristian.com slash audible. That's radicallychristian.com slash audible. And if you're not already an Audible subscriber, you can actually get my book for free when you sign up for a free trial. So go to radicallychristian.com slash audible. Now back to the Bible study. One of the other things that I think we have to talk about is not only do we hold ourselves in the church to a higher standard than we hold unbelievers. Mm-hmm. So we've got to have that standard to which we we hold ourselves and not those who are outside of the church, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5. But we also have to recognize that there's times where we have to hold ourselves personally to a higher standard than we hold our brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to hold you to a certain standard as my brother in Christ, Travis, right. then I hold Joe, the unbeliever in the world. But I also need to hold myself personally, Wes, to a higher standard than I hold you, Travis. Mm-hmm. I, I have to recognize that some things are not a matter of sin and righteousness, but they're just a matter of my convictions, uh, my conclusions that I've come to, my personal struggles. And so I have to be able to say that I can't do this, mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to hold you to that standard. Right. But 
we really struggle with this. There's really times where we have said, well, if I can't do it, you shouldn't do it. If, if I have to do it, then you have to do it too. If if I think that that I should do this as a Christian, then I'm going to force you to do it too. Right. And if I think I, I shouldn't do this as a Christian, then you shouldn't do it either. Even though scripture never explicitly says anything about whatever i'm not going to mention any specifics even though some come to my mind but i won't yes, get in tempting. i won't get into that but but i've i've uh so inferred from scripture that i shouldn't do this and i've yeah. come to this conclusion and i'm convicted that i shouldn't participate in whatever i can't hold you to that same standard i can't hold you to the standard of my convictions i can hold you to the standard of scripture when sure. scripture says this is what you should do as a follower of Jesus or as God's people, then yes, we need to hold each other to that standard. Be gracious as we hold each other to that standard. But I can't hold you to the standard of just my own personal convictions. And the text for this is Romans 14, and it's so pivotal. We've talked about it before on the podcast, but Romans 14, starting in verse 1, Paul says, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. And again, the Greek word there is dialogismos. And dialogismos is a word that's very related to words about logic, reasoning, conclusions, thinking. When we think of an opinion, we think of pizza is good. That's an opinion. Right. But this is more than that. These are religious opinions, religious convictions. Right. He says one person believes that he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. The Jewish people living in Corinth, they they struggled with eating any meat. Any meat that was sold was probably not kosher. So even if it was beef, they, they couldn't eat the beef because it might have been sacrificed to an idol or it might have been prepared in a way that wasn't in keeping with Jewish law. And right. so they believed, I, if I'm going to be safe, if I'm going to do what's right, I can only eat vegetables. While somebody else would say, no, all things are clean. You can, you can eat whatever. And so one person is convicted not just their opinion, but they firmly believe I should eat this. And another person is firmly convinced they shouldn't eat this. He says, let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. So if you have a rule for yourself that says you can't eat any Corinthian meat, you right. can't eat any of this Corinthian food, that's your rule. Do not judge your brother who doesn't hold to that same rule. So again, Paul is saying you have to hold yourself personally to a higher standard than you hold your brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm -hmm. For God, he says, let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? Again, you take what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, who am I to judge the unbeliever? I, what have I to do with judging unbelievers? And then he says, who are you to judge your brother in Christ? Right. So there's some things you should. For matters of conscience. Right, yeah. exactly. For matters of conscience. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls and he will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, uh, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. 
Again, over and over again, Paul reiterates, just because that's your standard mm. doesn't mean that's everybody's standard. And that's hard for us yeah. to, we, we want it, we, we think, well, if it's going to be fair, then we all have we to have the same standard. It. If it's my rule, it has to be your rule. And right. so if I can't do it, then you can't do it either. If I must do it, then you must do it too. And Paul says, that's not necessarily the case. Well, I think, you know, like you said, don't want to get bogged down in talking about specific things necessarily. But I, I just, it occurred to me, maybe one of the ways this pops up for us a lot is when people use the slippery slope argument. Yes. You know, we, we pick something out, you know, maybe it's a behavior, maybe it's a, a lifestyle choice, maybe it's a practice in, in coming together as a church, mm-hmm. and we say, well, if we do this, yes. it, that's not necessarily wrong, yeah. but it's a slippery slope. So then we just make, we make the thing at the beginning of the slope wrong, yes. so that we don't ever slip down and, yes. and you know, end up a, in a den of sin, Right. which I remember somebody describing to me what the Pharisee, what the problem with what the Pharisees had done over the generations leading to Christ, the problem that that they had created was originally they loved the law so right. much, right, that they said, "I, I want to be so careful that I don't, you know, that I don't break the law, mm-hmm. that I'm going to draw a fence around the law, right, to keep me from even coming close to it." Right. And then the next generation said. We're, we're going to draw a fence around the fence around the law. Right. And then that just happened over and over again until, you know, as Jesus is constantly pointing out in the Gospels, you don't even get it. You don't even know what the law is. Right. And you certainly don't know what it was for mm-hmm. because you're, you're just, you're, you're, you're worshiping the law instead mm-hmm. of God. Mm-hmm. And again, not to bring it back to the chosen, but that comes up several times. Right. Well, and, and it does, it comes up in the Gospels mm-hmm. and, and the problem isn't making the fence. And I think sometimes we 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 get on to or look down on somebody who makes a fence, who, right. who who puts up a boundary. Paul says, don't look down on, let not the right. one who eats despise the one who abstains. So if your brother is abstaining and he's put up a fence for himself and he mm-hmm. says, I'm not going to cross that fence, I'm not going to cross that line, don't look down on him as if, well, you Pharisee, you legalist, you you whatever. Right. Don't look down on somebody for having a rule there, yeah. but don't canonize your rule. Right. Your you rule. You don't have to make it for everybody. Exactly. Your conclusions are not the same as Scripture. Your conclusions about Scripture are not Scripture. And that's what the Pharisees did wrong, mm-hmm. is that they, they rightfully put rules in place for themselves, because... How else would you do it? How else would you keep the Sabbath? Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't work on the right. Sabbath. Well, what does that mean? Like, what, what, what is working? What's not working? Right. Is this working? How, should I walk? Like, God how far can I walk? seems to leave a lot of room for us to apply some definition. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I can work that out in my own mind, in my own heart, and even for my family, and even as a community. I think we're supposed to work this out together as a community. But... But now that I, I put some sort of boundary in place, then when I canonize that boundary and I say, well, this is where God put the boundary. Whoa, whoa, whoa. God didn't put the boundary there. You put the boundary there. And there's right. going to be times where you have to make an exception to that. Mm. There, there's a lot of good examples of that, like mm. that, that men have put into place, like if I'm going to be pure and I'm not going to you know cheat on my wife, then here's a, a good place to put a boundary. Well, okay, that's a good boundary, but realize you created that. Right. And not only, you know, 
might there be an exception that you make in a reasonable situation where you're not sinning or doing something wrong, but you also can't hold everybody else to that same boundary or that same standard. Right. Yes, they need to be pure. They need to not be commit adultery. They need to not cheat on their wives, but you, they may not draw the line in exactly the same place that you draw the line, and you need to not judge them or hold them to the same standard to which you hold yourself. And and that's this is such an important principle that that we we just we get into this area so much of Romans fourteen where we're talking about conviction matters, we're talking about opinion matters, we're talking about inferences that we've made from Scripture, the way we've synthesized Scripture. We've taken a verse over here and a verse over there and an idea over here and a principle over there, and we've created a synthesis. We've created, okay, I think this is the broad principle, okay? That's your thinking, that's your opinion, that's your conclusion that you've come to, and it's good and right, and you should hold yourself to that conviction, but don't hold other people to that conviction. If it's not something Scripture has explicitly taught, then don't act like God made this rule when really you made this rule from all of the the things, the pieces you've put together in your own mind. Again, we do this so much. I could give a hundred examples of how we do this, but but it's very important that we hold ourselves because Paul is encouraging them: don't violate your own conscience. Don't. Don't break, because as soon as you start doing that, and as soon as you say, ah, you know, that's just my own opinion, that's just my conviction, but meh, whatever, I'll compromise on that, and we don't hold ourselves to that standard, then that really is a slippery slope. That really sure. does become a, a matter of compromise where we're, we're, we really begin to uh, fall apart in our own morality. We need to put... I, I like how one, how Andy Stanley had a series on guardrails, mm-hmm. and and it's really that idea that we put a fence at the beginning of a slope so that we don't go down that slope, right. but also recognizing I put that fence there. Right. That, that fence is mine. It, it's not because right on the other side of that is sin. It's because at the end of that hill, mm-hmm. there's sin, and you got to put the fence somewhere. Somebody with no fences, with no guardrails, with no boundaries— they have got a messed up life or people that are always putting up boundaries and then compromising their own boundaries and their own standards. That's messed up. And you're going to, you're going to end up in a mess when you keep saying, eh, I put that rule there. It's not a big deal. I can move it if I want to, I can jump over it. It's like trying to implement a diet. Do, do I have to live by this diet? Well, no, not necessarily. I'm the one that created this diet. I decided I was going to hold myself to this diet and I don't need to hold everybody. Hey, listen, we're not eating. (laughs) We're not eating any carbs this month. Don't y'all know what the rule is? No carbs this month. No, I can't hold everybody else to my diet, but I need to hold myself to that diet. I need to hold myself responsible. If you committed to this, if you said, this is a good idea, I really don't want to end up at the end of this road. And so I'm going to put a boundary here so that I don't go down the wrong direction. Then hold yourself to that and and hold yourself to that standard, but don't hold other people to that high standard you set for yourself. Yeah. Uh, I'm reminded of the book of Acts when the council comes together and they're talking about Gent- this new paradigm about Gentiles are, yeah. you know, are, are supposed to, we're supposed to be preaching to the Gentiles and the council gathers together and they're like, okay, what do we do to invite them into the assembly? How do we create this new community of 
Jewish and Gentiles, Jews and Gentiles worshiping together mm-hmm. as Christians. Mm-hmm. And they trade things back and forth. And again, I know I'm paraphrasing here, but the uh, James, who I believe this was James, the brother of Jesus, right, right. half-brother of Jesus, right. comes in and basically says, we ought to make it a short list. And three of the things on that list were dietary, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was mm-hmm. already being phased out. Mm-hmm. But I, I think in the context of what they were talking about, it was almost like, let's keep those things to make peace, mm-hmm. like to make sure there's peace amongst the community. Mm-hmm. That's how I've always read I could be wrong. But then the the one thing that he says, to make sure that they they are living, we're all living similar lives, mm-hmm. similar enough lives as Christians should, is abstain from sexual immorality. Yeah. That was like one of the four things, and the yeah. other three were all dietary. Yeah. It's like the point being, we ought to make it a short list mm-hmm. for each other as brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. So like I, I like that we've how uh, we've gone in this this discussion of talking about the standard Christians versus the standard we hold Christians to versus the world, and mm-hmm. then now even ourselves as individuals mm-hmm. and our families mm-hmm. versus our fellow believers, yeah. and that it keeps coming back to, um, you know, we we shouldn't make it very hard to be in community with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As we mature in Christ, we're going to we're going to realize, oh, I need to be doing more. I mm-hmm. need to be. I need to be sacrificing more. I need to be holding myself to a higher standard. Yeah. But as we mature in Christ, we need to understand that everybody's not where we are. Mm-hmm. That there are people that are coming to Christ that are babes in Christ. They are brand new. They have not had the opportunity to study and discipline themselves the way that you have. Mm-hmm. So don't have the same expectations for them that you do for yourself. If you've been a Christian for 30 years and somebody's a brand new Christian, stop expecting them to be at the same place where you are. Paul says in Romans 14, again, verse 1, as for the one who is weak in faith, there's going to be weak Christians, there's going to be strong Christians, there's going to be Christians that are mature and have been around a long time that hold themselves to a super high standard. Stop holding new Christians to the same standard that you hold yourself to. Mm -hmm. Hold yourself to an extremely high standard. Paul held himself to an incredibly high standard. Paul made sacrifices when he was dealing with, he says in 1 Corinthians 9, when I'm working with somebody who is living according to the law, I live according to the law. I don't have to, but I do because I want to win them to Christ. When when I'm dealing with somebody who is not a, not a Jewish person, then I live as somebody who's not under the law. And And even though that would be uncomfortable for him as a Jewish person to live as somebody who is a Gentile, he did it. He was willing to hold himself to that high standard of dealing with different people in different ways, but he didn't expect everybody to do that. Mm. He understood that some of his Jewish Christian brothers and sisters, they weren't going to be able to live like the Gentiles just to make the Gentiles more comfortable. Mm. And he also understood that his Gentile brothers and sisters, he couldn't expect them to come into the church and be like, hey, listen, hey, I know you can eat whatever you want to, but y'all y'all really need to only eat kosher foods to make these Jewish people comfortable because right. they're brand new. So you're going to have to hold yourself to a higher standard than you hold anyone else to. And this, this is such an important principle for us to understand that just because it's a rule for you, 
And just because you understand the importance of that rule, the importance of that boundary, doesn't mean that it's a, a rule and a boundary you should hold everybody else to. They may eventually come to the same conclusion and sure. say, you know what? I probably shouldn't be doing that either. I should probably live like this too. I'm ready to make these sacrifices. I'm going to, I'm ready to up my game, my discipleship game, but they're not going to be doing that in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And you need to understand that and do what Paul says, welcome them, welcome them. They don't hold to the same standards you do. Welcome them anyway. They don't have the same opinions you do. Welcome them anyway. They don't have the same convictions you do. Welcome them anyway. And stop looking down your nose at them and stop judging them because they are holding themselves sometimes. Sometimes it's they're holding themselves to a higher standard and you're like, I don't get that. Why they're so prudish, they're so legalistic, they're so rule-oriented. Why are they mm-hmm. Why do they worry about all that? Why do they wear those clothes? Why do they have those standards? Stop. Stop looking down your nose because they're holding themselves to a higher standard than they're holding you or that you hold yourself, but also stop holding them to the same standard to which you hold yourself. That's the whole thing, that within the body of Christ, we're going to have different standards to which we hold ourselves when it comes to these matters of opinion and conviction and inference. But when it comes to what Scripture explicitly teaches, sexual immorality and uh, idolatry and... uh, what else does he list in First Corinthians five? A greed and reviling and drunkenness and swindling and all of these things. Scripture is explicit about those. And if right. somebody is going to persist in those, then you tell them, "Hey, this is a standard we're all holding each other to. This is this is the way of Christ. This is how it works here in the body of Christ." So we have to hold we have to hold ourselves to a higher standard than our brothers and sisters. And then we have to hold ourselves within the body of Christ to a higher standard than we hold the world. And then finally, I think that we have to say, we have to hold ourselves to the standard first, both within the body of Christ and personally. Mm. And and this goes back to what we started with, that that we have to look at ourselves first and say, as Jesus says in, in Matthew 7, we have to take the the beam out of our eye first, first. It's not just about size. It's not just about the fact that my beam is bigger than your speck, but it's about this comes first. Right. I have to deal with this first. Maybe even if it's the other way around, maybe if it's the speck <laughs> in my eye and a beam in yours, right. I should probably work on the speck because right. at least that's in my territory to deal right. with. This takes priority. The The sin in our own life, individually or collectively, takes priority over the sin of others. And if we would realize this and recognize this, we'd get ourselves in a whole lot less trouble. That my personal sin takes priority in, in order of correction. I need to correct myself before I correct you as my brother. And then we, you and I together, need to correct ourselves collectively before Mm -hmm. we correct Joe out there in the world. And so if we would recognize that we take care of our family's business first and then the world's business, yes, we need to say something about what's going on in the world in a loving, gracious way that calls them to Jesus, but we need to deal with our own stuff first. And, and, And so sometimes this reflects itself in like, Wes, why do you preach about this, but not about that? It's like, well, because we don't really struggle with that. Like, that's not our sin. Mm. That's that's what's going on in the world, and that's true. And we wring our hands. We're all upset about all of this stuff in the world. It's like, okay, yes, yes, yes. You're right. That's wrong. What they're doing is wrong. But that's none of us are doing that. Like, that's that's unbelievers that are doing that. We're we're dealing with greed, and we're dealing with pride, and we're dealing with 
this stuff. This is what we need to deal with first. Hmm. If we get around to it, when we get around to it, we'll talk about that. In the right setting, we'll deal with that. And, and then it also is reflective in our own personal lives. Again, we love, I, I love the idea that when you point at somebody, there's three fingers pointing back mm-hmm. at you, but it's so true. It's so true that this, we have to deal with the sin in the mirror before we deal with the sin in the magnifying glass, you know, we have to, we have to look in inward first and say, okay, this needs to be fixed. And then we have the humility and the love and the empathy to deal with what's going on in somebody else's life. Because there does come a point where we have to point something out and say, Hey brother, this is going on. This really has to stop. And I have to hold you to this standard. I have to call you out. I have to hold you accountable. There does come a time for that, but it's only when we've got some really good clarity about what's going on in our own life. Thank you so much for being part of the Radically Christian Bible Study Podcast today. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode. I want to give a special thanks to Travis Polly and to our McDermott Road Church family for making this podcast possible. As always, we love you, God loves you, and we hope that you have a wonderful day.